Welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name is Lidza. And I'm Adam. And this is a podcast where we talk about politics and TV. Our tastes in TV are pretty trashy and our politics are pretty leftist. And we don't have a real clear plan on what this episode's going to be about, <laughs> but I hurt my back at the gym yesterday and I'm already really freaking bored by mm-hmm. laying in bed all day. So this is more of a podcast that we really are just making for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if we ever release it, it's only incidental that you get to listen to. <laughs> if you would just uh, get into anime, you'd have plenty of stuff to sit here and watch. <laughs> if I would just listen to my body, I wouldn't be stuck here. Um, okay, so I thought we could just start off with our very basic recommendations that we do. I don't do. think I have one. You don't have one? You have one. I have one. Uh, okay. So my recommendation is that you... How should I phrase it, I guess? Basically, my recommendation is that you should bring people along in terms of your politics. Mm-hmm. And that the worst thing you can do is have the attitude of it's not my job to teach you or it's not my job to educate you. I really hate whenever I see that attitude and it's really popular on Twitter and I get like, and Facebook and I I get why, because especially like on Twitter, it's like cool to be like snarky and um, sassy or whatever, but socialism isn't like, or communism or anarchism or whatever you're into. It's not like your personal click anarchism kind of is (laughs) (laughs) well you should not treat it like it's your personal click where only your cool friends are allowed or only the people you think are cool enough or have the right knowledge or whatever are allowed like that's a really bad attitude to have towards a political position basically (laughs) and i do think that like Usually when I see people having that attitude, it tends to be people who, like, weren't socialists until, like, Bernie ran for president, you know? Now Mm -hmm. they're, like, sassy about being socialists. But for the rest of us that have been at it for a long time, like, you know, we're just really excited that more people are into it and, like, want Mm -hmm. to be a part of the movement and want to, like, change our country and... So to me, I don't know, it's just so annoying when I see people like limiting it, essentially, because they want to like, make themselves feel cool or good or whatever. So that's, that's my recommendation is, you know, don't treat your politics like it's a click, be, be cool, be open, be nice, Mm -hmm. teach people. I've also seen like a lot of people who, um, like I've noticed both on Facebook and Twitter in the last couple weeks, people like discussing, do you have to read theory to be like a true socialist or a true anarchist or whatever kind of leftist? And my answer is like, no, (laughs) because uh, like, you know, I always say like, I learned that stuff talking to my mom as a kid because um, I don't know, we just talked about it. Like it was the most natural thing. And it wasn't like we weren't throwing around jargon and, like, talking about labor theory of value or whatever, right? We were just, like, talking about it in a way where it just naturally follows. Like, it just makes sense. Yeah. And I think that you can understand the, like, underpinning ideas of the theory 
And if someone explains them to you and you understand it, if someone explains labor theory of value to you and you get it, but you can't necessarily like define it for someone else, it's not the end of the world. Don't worry. We, we all have Google. Yeah. It's fine. You know? Um, but I've seen a lot of people who act like uh, you have to read and then other people who are really stressed, stressed out because they really just that's not how they learn is not through just like reading a concept in a book and, and getting it that way. And this is another one of those things where it's like, just teach your comrades, like, you know, help people around you understand the things that you understand. Mm -hmm. Don't make it like, it's not forbidden knowledge. Like I said, this isn't a click where we have secret rules on Wednesdays. We wear pink, you know, like just share the information that you have. Is that mean girls? Yeah. <laughs> You know, just, like, share the info. I guess maybe it'd be on Wednesdays we wear red or <laughs> whatever. Um, but be open. Like, yeah, just bring people along. You know, I, I once saw someone on Twitter tweet if, like, something along the lines of, like, if comrades can teach gorillas in the jungle about <laughs> Marxism, then you can teach your fellow comrades yeah. about it yeah. without using jargon. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my recommendation, basically. You it's just, just need to have... Uh good morals and some basic concepts you don't have to read to get that there's nothing wrong with learning from podcasts or youtube if that's what works for you yeah i mean i think that you should be like inquisitive you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you are supporting a political movement where someone can lead you by the nose by just making you feel like they know more than you that's true but there are many ways, like you're saying, to learn those concepts. And, yeah. like, you know, I don't think there's any shame in, like, watching, like, Richard Wolff or something like mm -hmm. that. Like, he is he, – he breaks things down very easily. He does, like, economic update where he connects very directly things that are happening in the news right now with Marxist ideas. So I think, like, that's fine. You'll understand, like, what it means to be a – a leftist, a Marxist, whatever, if you watch Richard Wolff or listen to his podcast, or, you yeah. know, you don't have to read Das Kapital, yeah. <laughs> you know. To... Although a lot of more hardcore people think that his, you know, democracy in the workplace thing isn't really Marxism or whatever. Well, they're wrong. Yeah. Also, there's always going to be different yeah, tendencies. Totally. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think that I, I like his ideas, yeah. but, and I think that that, this is another one of those things where it is a little bit about, like, how long maybe you've been at it. Because to me, like, democracy in the workplace is really easy to talk about. Yeah. It's easy to bring people on board. It's achievable. Yeah. Yeah. And I am a anarcho-communist of the Peter Kropotkin variety where I feel like the revolution has to do things for people immediately. Like, you yeah. have to give the people bread immediately. Otherwise, you're going to lose <laughs> the... Mm -hmm support you have essentially so i fully believe that anything like that that we can do right now to like materially make people's yeah. lives better right now is so much more important than how pure your ideology is mm -hmm. or how you know how some loftier goals that we may have i think like things will follow but i do think that a lot of times those people who tend to be worried about I don't know, being more pure or whatever, are newer to the movement. And it is, again, a little bit of treating it like a clique where it's like, yeah. well, you're not as cool as that I am. That definitely goes hand in hand, I'd say. Yeah. Being elitist in that way. Yeah. I think I'm also just committed to democracy, especially after getting in, still haven't finished that book, Hatred of Democracy, but 
because the alternative to getting socialism or communism through democratic means is through the use of force. It's got to be one or the yeah, other. Yeah. And the use of force is not a political system. So then you just end up with a system that doesn't have politics when you look at it in the, the framework and hatred of democracy, where he says democracy is the only government that makes politics possible because otherwise you're just replacing the question who should govern with mm. um, recourse to some other supposedly natural hierarchy that exists right. in the world, right, whether right, it's right. a gerontocracy yeah. that is oldest or strength yeah. or whoever's richest. Yeah. And if it's, you know, whoever is the most, I don't know, communist or the most. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's shitty. Yeah. And also it'd have to be like whoever is the most successful communist, like at actually attaining power through the use of force, right? If it's not democracy. Yeah. And also but like. That's not it... what we're talking. I'm not prepared to totally defend that idea right now. Oh, that's fine. We're also talking about, you know, like ideally, right? A complete like societal full societal revolution so like just like now even in a communist society you're gonna have people who like are never going to be as well read on like now for example like democracy right like let's say like right now that we're like a democracy i know that we're technically a representational a yeah yeah or wait yeah represent Okay, I forget. <laughs> yeah, there's Republic? a few. There, Does Republic mean anything? There's actually a few different ways you can describe us accurately, depending yeah. on. It doesn't matter. It's like we can be a representational democracy, we can be a republic. Or a representative matter. oligarchy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But let's just say, like. We're a spectacle society. Yeah. Really, my point is just that. Like, just like now, people, there are tons of people who really don't know that much about how, I don't know, like, the Supreme Court works or our judicial system in general or whatever. And we don't, like, expect everyone in America to, like, read up on the different schools of constitutional thought in order to be true good citizens, yeah. right? Or, so why or would we... in order to vote. The idea is everybody yeah. should vote all the time, no matter what. Yeah. Like... So why would we expect that in you know, a communist society that everyone will have read, I don't know, like the, I don't even know what, how you pick with like, which yeah. theorists What's read. Your corpus yeah. Of, yeah. But how, you know, that's, yeah, I mean, you still have, you still need some other way to decide like, yeah. yeah. So that's why this whole idea of like reading, you have to read theory. You have to be as pure as possible. Like is to me just, yeah. Elitist and pointless mm -hmm. and, not very useful and that's why i think like having the attitude on the flip side like what i started with of well it's not my job to teach you is yeah. really fucked up and wrong yeah and actually it's really hard to learn on your own i yeah. spend a lot of time because i'm you know i think it's fun to read yeah theory books not just communist theory but critical theory or you know sociological theory or whatever is on arg that i download that has a cool title yeah but like it's really really hard to read it on your own you don't know what context to put things in. You don't know how other people interpret it if you don't talk to them about it. Totally. And then I was thinking this when I was looking at NN Taleb's like blog. So he's the guy who wrote Black Swan in like 2002. Oh, right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's a really big Twitter personality. And basically when you read his writing, it's like, it's the same, I think the same thing happened to Nick Land after he moved to China. It's like, here's some old guys who are really well read, but like, 
just live on their own and don't talk to other mm. people about their ideas until they're fully formed. Mm-hmm. And then they'd get this weird, like, this this weird concoction of, like, different disciplines and ideas mixed to, mixed all up yeah. in the, into their own, yeah, into their own weird thing. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to see even how that's useful to other people because yeah. they're not engaged in a dialogue yeah. with other people. Yeah, and they don't have the same, like reference points as you so it just becomes like very specific to you and your experiences and you know like conclusions about the world based on those experiences and not very useful to anyone who hasn't had those you know similar experiences and they're not a hundred percent like that but i think they're a good example yeah obviously they have a lot of people who care what they say online and sometimes they collaborate with other people but yeah yeah like if if you should if you're reading at least also listen to a podcast or watch a youtube video or join like a reading group or something of yeah other people who are reading the same thing so that you know you know in general what the consensus on this thing is yeah i don't know how useful this would be but i have or like how different it would be than reading by yourself because it's obviously the two of us and we have similar experiences mm-hmm. overall but i have been thinking about like maybe starting to do some different types of episodes that are more of like reading yeah. series episodes on the pod idea where we discuss some leftist theory in a way that might be useful, especially maybe for people who aren't going to be inclined to necessarily read it, or maybe you do read it by yourself and you don't have people around that you can Mm -hmm. talk with, like kind of you're isolated the way we are here just, and uh, yeah, that maybe like that could be another little part of our little cold pizza party project yeah, is some leftist readings i want you to read the shape of the signifier essay and we can talk about that yeah there's a bunch of stuff that i also want to read that i haven't read that i feel like if you know if i had a reason to read it like for a podcast or something i'd be more likely to yeah get done so maybe we'll do that have you thought of anything you want to recommend um no okay <laughs> Do you want to talk about House Hunters International? Yeah, we could. What is there to say, though, really? Uh, well, House Hunters International is a TV show. Americans, you know, obviously move across the world based on, like, job opportunities, usually. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, like, a couple. Sometimes it's a single person. Sometimes they have kids. Yeah. the time, probably. And basically, it's, you know, a really repetitive show where they look at three different houses and they pick like the one that they're gonna Mm -hmm. you know stay in and usually like one of them wants like i mean they're americans who are going uh, you know somewhere else in the world so they're always surprised by how small everything is they're always like the worst people there's like that joke that's like i design umbrellas and my husband's a rock climber we have a budget of 1.2 million Mm -hmm. It's always yeah you always wonder always like, like how do these people afford this like we saw this lesbian couple that was moving from la to where did they the bordeaux region yeah i thought so and they were like buying like a like, they massive wanted, like, like an, an entire villa with like five bedrooms and with each bedroom having its own bathroom <laughs> and a pool and they wanted it to be like isolated but close to the village yeah. like yeah, it's just like, how did these people even afford this? Well, do you remember this? what they did? They wanted the building because they had, like, a photography workshop yeah. about the feminine form specifically. Yeah, she just photographed nude women, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And she taught other women how to photograph nude women. I think so, yeah. Yeah. 
And it was like, okay, I mean, that's like, cool, but how, how much many, money do yeah, you have to, yeah, how many workshops a year do you have to do to, like, make it worth your while to fill up, you know, six rooms and be able to pay a mortgage? Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so. For the most part, though, people are from, like, Michigan or Florida, and yeah. they'll show, like, their life in America, yeah. which is just you know, like a large suburban home and a car. And, and a large suburban yard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they move somewhere and where they they're have always to live. like, I've always wanted to live overseas and now's finally my chance because normally whatever employer I work for is like, we need somebody to move to Croatia. Or yeah. Something. yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's always like, you know, he wants to be close to town, but she wants room for the kids mm-hmm. or... You know, he wants a quiet life in the country, but she wants to be where the action is, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's always, like, that tension. I mean, what do you think... Why do you think... It's, like, a very popular show. Like, everyone watch. I don't know anyone who doesn't watch International House Hunters. Yeah, and even just, like, recently I saw some threads on Facebook where people were, like, mentioning it as sort of, like, an embarrassing or guilty pleasure, but then underneath that... Everyone, including me, was like, I mean, but I love that show. Like, it's yeah. terrible, but I love it. Well, I don't know. I guess it is a trashy show we should talk about then. Yeah, I think it definitely fits our <laughs> our brand. I, okay, well, it's a real. It is like a trashy reality show. Yeah, clearly, so that's five stars right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, you definitely get drama in it. Sometimes that's like unintended, which is my favorite thing about reality TV too. Is like when, like, I don't care so much about like the convoluted plot lines of like the Kardashians as much as sometimes like seeing like just yeah. I don't know them interact as sisters or something is like more interesting mm-hmm. or like seeing on Vanderpump Rules the way they interact as, like, close friends who have, yeah. like, you know, 12-year friendships. The fake storylines on Kardashians are funny in a meta way. Like, just thinking about that episode we saw recently where, uh, man, I'm not good with their names. <laughs> Chloe was going on a trip to some other part of California, and uh, Kim switched out her bag. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to dress. I want, like, I don't like the way Chloe dresses, so I want to, like, give her a makeover but she'll never let me so i'm gonna she's going on this trip i'll replace her bag with clothes that i picked out for yeah her. but i'm gonna pick the clothes out from her closet yeah to it's be nice so Cause she has all oh because yeah. she has all these clothes she doesn't wear yeah like you're obviously making this up as you go <laughs> and then and then chloe's what at, a prank yeah. i replaced her clothes with her clothes yeah i don't think she even used chloe's actual suitcase i think it was like a yeah brand new suitcase yeah because then, yeah, when Chloe gets to the hotel, she's like, oh, is this my suitcase? <laughs> what <laughs> is this? Like, this isn't my I didn't bag. I pack these clothes. And they're like, no, no, this is your bag. This is the bag you came with. And she's like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And then she had to wear she barely the... pretend to be, pretended to be mad or yeah. surprised or outraged. Yeah. And then she wore the clothes. And, and she was like, like oh, this oh, is nice. This is okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just thinking about that makes me crack up. <laughs> hilarious that that was an entire storyline yeah yeah so i mean that's kind of like this show though because the storyline is stupid right they they must tell the couples beforehand one of you has to want to live in the middle of town and one of you has to want to live pretty much i i interviewed with a realtor one time and um she told me that like it was like actually like in my old suburb um in columbus and she's like 
I don't know how House Hunters, just regular U.S. edition, came mm-hmm. up, but it did because, because all you talk about is reality TV. Very popular. It's a very popular show. Yeah. And she told me that she totally had um, worked on a house where they sold to a couple that ended up doing House Hunters and how like they had bought the house like at least three months ahead of when the show came to yeah. shoot. And then they just like talked to their realtor and their realtor basically showed a couple other houses that they currently had on the market that were empty, you yeah, know? Yeah. And like all, they talked about like all the specifics that they wanted for the other houses to have. So I think it's definitely like they were like, okay, well you have to, one of the houses needs to be like far away from her job. One of the so houses. They, yeah. So they just ask like friends to clear out their living room. Yeah. That's shit, what right? I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this case, the realtors just had, Houses, houses that they yeah. could like show with the permission of. i don't know if they would do that for international though it sounds more complicated i don't i'm not sure yeah. but it is like the same thing where it's sort of a convoluted storyline that and doesn't make any sense and you don't need to really pay attention to i mean all the yeah. drama is in the moments like in between that you know yeah because like we were watching one recently that i don't think we finished because it was so awkward we're like they wanted to it was a a retired Virginia cop and his wife who had done, I don't know what she had done. And they wanted to move to Medellin, uh, Colombia. And the whole time he was, he was like, I want to be up in the Hills. I'm bringing a wind chime so that we can feel the wind. And then he kept saying all this awful shit about his wife where he was just like, she won't ever let me have my way. Yeah, <laughs> Stuff yeah. like that. It was like so awkward. And it was like, it didn't really, like he was doing crazy shit to like, with the wind chime and disagreeing about which house but like the stuff that he was saying about like when he was like describing her as a person was like, oof. <laughs> That's, yeah. It was uncomfortable. Like, yeah. And it, like not like she was surprised. This is just the way they yeah. like joke about yeah. their relationship. Yeah. It's really ugly. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's one of the really intriguing, trashy parts of this show is, like, getting a peek into other people's relationships mm-hmm. and how they, like, relate to each other. And sometimes, well, most of the I, time uh, it's like, oh, my God, this is horrifying. Yeah, I I also remember one we saw recently. I think they were moving to Australia or maybe New Zealand. And it was, like, a complete gender reversal because the woman might Oh, have been, yeah, the dentist? A, yeah, she was a dentist. Yeah. She was, like, you know tough as nails yeah she she she's your typical like you know asperger's yeah like yeah not that she literally no like a stem person though like she was very much just like numbers like we don't need a ton of stuff we don't need a big house we don't need we're trying to Mm -hmm. downsize like yeah and the husband was totally like, but I want a kitchen where I can cook food yeah, yeah. and stuff. Like, <laughs> she was like, what do we need a kitchen for? <laughs> like, yeah. You I can mean, cook anywhere. Yeah. 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 Her, like, only requirement was, like, that the house not have carpets because she had they had torn out the carpets in their previous house and she was disgusted. She kind of walked like a police officer yeah. and gestured, you know. She was kind of funny, though, at times. Like, you got a glimpse a few times of their relationship actually being warm. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it sticks out in my mind. And I mean, I guess the other thing that makes it irresistible is that, you know, it's like someone holding up a, a mirror to us as Americans, right? Because wherever they go in the world, the couple that's going is American. So we get to see all these different, it's like, 
I mean, it's what you always hate about other people. You get to see, like, the worst parts of yeah. yourself, like, represented in other people. That guy was, know? like, Mexican-American. I'm, like, fascinated by that couple. I can't describe why. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> it's more than just the way, you know, oh, the, their roles were reversed and it was interesting. It was, like, she reminded me of the kind of, when you hang out as a teen with, like, nerds and humor can be very, like... Flat. Harsh. Oh. You know? Yeah. And uh, definitely, like, a bit of a flat affect. Yeah. Overly rational. Yeah. And he was such a, like, warm, loving... Yeah. Mexican-American dad who wants to cook and spend family time. (laughs) He was, like, really, like, oh, God, this, like, first place that we saw is so beautiful and it'd be so perfect for our family. Yeah. But I just know she's not going to go for it. Yeah. (laughs) It was a little depressing. It was a little depressing. Anyway. And it was definitely one of those situations where you're like, man, if he was the wife and she was the husband, the way that he's, like, talking about how she controls the oh, finances yeah, yeah. and, like, deferring to her and stuff, like, you, this would instantly be depressing. True. But because it's a man, you're, like, trying, and she's a woman, you're, like, trying to give it more leeway, but it's still, like, ultimately really depressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, that's a big draw, seeing seeing real couples real relationships yeah i guess also it seems like a very attainable fantasy like you know wish fulfillment type of viewing because these are normal people who get to live somewhere else you know yeah but that's what i was saying too like you're seeing a representation of americans abroad and like you can compare that to when you yourself go abroad and you're like oh my god they're being so embarrassing right now or it's the same thing like when you're, you know, like when you're traveling and you hear like other Americans after not being around Americans for a while and then you notice they're like the loudest, fattest people in, <laughs> in the airport, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and it's like, oh, God, like, please don't associate me with those people. Like, there's always like a little bit of a cringe factor. It's like seeing that, but like amplified because there's like a whole TV show about mm-hmm. those loudest, worst people at the airport. So I think that there's like an aspect that is like a little bit of like just it's hard to look away because it's so familiar and yet, you know, you want to, it's like any like reality TV show, you can feel like superior to the people that you're so watching. So you get to work out some sort of shame of American culture. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, I think like in every, I don't think I've ever watched a House Hunters where the locals of whatever place they went to seem like the awful people. The locals are eminently rational and kind and normal, you know? Yeah. And it's the Americans that are deeply irrational. That makes, that, uh, that makes me think of something I can recommend. Okay. I think it's a newer Unknown Mortal Orchestra song. American Guilt. Mm. Also the video. Watch the video. They're really cool. There's three maybe videos for the newer album that are all really cool um, animated videos that looks like it's definitely computers, but it looks like made entirely by spray paint stencils and it's like cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I'm just trying to think like, okay, so in what does... The show, I guess you're right, though. It's like a, a fantasy. Yeah. It's a fantasy of escape, too. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. But it's, it's again, uniquely American fantasy because it's a fantasy of escape tied to getting a new job, yeah. right? Like, it's never, no one, almost no one moves somewhere without a job, you know? Right. Or if they move there, they're planning on getting a job there, like, as soon as possible. Yeah. It's not like it's a vacation. 
it's like this is like it's kind of sad to think oh, in a way. Like our fantasies are tied to I think definitely part of the joy of watching the show in a bad way is like people who move with like terrible business plans. Oh like that yeah. One like a uh, 50 something hippie woman uh, who, who moved wanted to like Panama or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And she wanted to open like a yoga studio Yeah. Yeah. And so, she was like sinking like 300, no, more than 300,000. I think she didn't have that much. No, she had a lot. She was sinking in a lot Everything of money. She had yeah. Probably, yeah. And it was like, why is it costing you this much to open a yoga studio in like, no offense, Panama, but like a third world country? You know, like yeah. how expensive is like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you spending all this <laughs> money on? You know? Yeah. 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 That's always very uncomfortable. Um, another one I remember, this is the only one who I think wasn't moving for a business or like a job related reason is the, the woman, the young woman whose Paris, parents had died yeah. and she had an inheritance and she was moving to Paris with her, with her money. Cause she always wanted to live there and yeah. she's alone now. And so she was like starting her new life with this, uh, lump sum basically. Yeah. And she, uh, went to Paris and, Obviously, I'm sure this is one of everybody's favorite characters is the Paris realtor. realtor yeah. Yeah. So it's a great episode just for that reason. But uh, but that lady was very, like, the the young woman wanted to live in the, the Marais. Yeah. Or is it Le Marais, whatever. Like, Marais. Marais. Yeah. Like the, it's like the traditionally fanciest part. Yeah. Or, or like coolest. contemporary yeah, coolest like part. Hips. Because going back to the 80s, it was the gay district. Yeah. So, of course, it became extremely gentrified like probably one of the first areas of Paris that people would use the word gentrified for. Yeah. And now it's like the hip place to be. So she wanted to get an apartment there really bad, but obviously it's more expensive. Yeah. And the realtor kept trying to convince her to just get something that's like a better price, even though it's not where you want to be. Yeah. But like you're buying it immediately. Like you don't have to pay interest. Yeah. You're just making a really good investment. Yeah. Like she was completely like the, wrong. Yeah. And this young girl probably grew up in a family that had money and just knew better. And she didn't, like, make a show of being like, no, the realtor's wrong, I know best, or whatever. Yeah. She's like, no, this is what I want. I'm very positive. I'm very yeah. confident about it. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, she's right. Like, obviously, like, an in- investing in real estate in Paris is never going to be a bad idea. Because yeah. when is Paris? But investing in real down? estate in the trendiest yeah. areas. Absolutely. Yeah. Not. And I think, like, that, like, she... It was like a one bedroom apartment, and all the other apartments she could get were like two bedrooms big. or something. But it's also like she's like a young woman; like she doesn't need a two bedroom apartment, you yeah, know? Yeah, like it's exactly like the right size for her. Like it's where she wants to be. She's pay- yeah. It was like it was really that was one that stuck with both of us. Yeah. Obviously, it's funny. Now we're just recapping. Yeah, I know. We I was that's what I realized. I was like <laughs> that's what I was saying. It's like I guess it really stuck with us because we still have really strong opinions about it. Yeah. Maybe that's how other people watch the show, too. Maybe that's something about its appeal. You know, what I was going to say, I really like... Because that's, for example, I didn't even think about that until after we were watching and you pointed it out to me. I was just kind of swept up in the narrative, being like, oh, this young, poor girl with all this money all of a sudden, she doesn't know what to do with it, Mm. the way they painted her as. Yeah. And I didn't realize later until you pointed that out after the episode was over. Because, you know, they very much tried to paint her this way during the episode. As so much reality TV does try to, you know, give you a certain your... narrative. Yeah. Yeah. But I think something appealing about this show, media, art, whatever you consume, culture, it's more, it's more like cognitively appealing when you have to finish it for yourself. Mm. And I think that's a, a really big selling point in the show. Mm. 
you're imagining what these people's lives are like. You don't really see. Yeah. So you're imagining it based on these like breadcrumbs that you get of what their character is and stuff. Yeah, that's a really good point. They like they it's such a repetitive show and they do so much recapping. I know that in the end, you really just have a yeah tiny amount of information about any of these people. But they do enough, I guess, sort of. I don't know, like establishing work with the facts that they give you that you are like, think you have a sense of, mm-hmm. you know, exactly who this couple is yeah. or exactly. That's what I was saying a little bit. Like, it's like every, the, the stuff that's interesting is like in the cracks of the yeah, show totally. almost, you know, like yeah. you also it's kinda, around all the stuff that they've planned. You also kind of fill out in your imagination the place they're moving to. Yeah. So we watched the Beijing one recently, and I was really excited to watch it because I was like, I have no idea what Beijing apartments are like. I yeah. Have no idea how people live there. Yeah. And now, oh, I've seen a little bit, or the Taipei episode was even, it was even a little bit clearer. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I'm wrong. I don't know, but I feel like I know because I watched this episode and I filled it out in my head. I think that's a. I was just thinking that one of the aspects that I think also makes the show appealing is that it's really repetitive. It's like you. Yeah. It's very comforting. You know exactly what's going to happen. It's beat by beat the same. A lot like a murder show yeah. where it's like beat by beat every time. Like forty eight hours is going to play out in basically the same way, mm-hmm. and you know that that's going to happen. Obviously, with this show, there's even less of a hurdle because no one's getting murdered. But in addition to that, I was just thinking about how when we talked about our did our murder TV episode, mm-hmm. we talked a bit about how one of the reasons that we find like murder shows really intriguing is because they really bring you into someone's house and family. And like as Americans, you don't usually like we don't get to see into other people's homes very much like we all draw our blinds at night or curtains or whatever like we don't go over to each other's house for coffee it's not like we go see like we we you like took our dog over to play with our neighbor's dog recently but we don't go like inside their house or any we don't know what it looks like in there some groceries in there a week ago i know what it looks like now okay but in general like (laughs) overall we don't usually go even into people that are like next door to us as homes right there are other neighbors that we we don't go inside their homes Mm -hmm. we don't know what it looks like So I think the fact that you get to really, like, the whole show is focused on looking inside houses in different parts of the world. I think that is a big part of its appeal, too, right? I mean, they might be empty or a lot, sometimes they're furnished, but getting to get that sense of what it looks like inside the homes. Because even if you visit those countries, like, we watch episodes of countries we visited, and it's still really interesting because it's like, you know, we just got to see what it was like in an Airbnb in one part of town yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But you, with this, they go across town, downtown, wherever, and you see what a downtown high-rise apartment looks like in Buenos Aires or wherever, you know? Yeah. Not that that's not a place we've been, to be No, fair. no, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, yeah. you get to see places you would never necessarily get to see even if you went to visit the city. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool, too. I think to the the form lends credibility to the fantasy because it's so like an, another big aspect of the show is that it's soothing because it has such a strong form. Yeah. Which I think we said about murder shows when we talked about I just them, said yeah. that right now. You didn't talk about that aspect of it, I did you? Just said that. I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and that, but that sells you on the fantasy because yeah. the the format you know what to expect, right? But when you move to a brand new country, what's scary is that you don't know what mm-hmm. to expect. 
So this is a, a way of addressing those fears. That's true. Yeah. What do you think it says about our capitalist society? I'm sure it says something. I don't know what. Other than, like I said, that our fantasies are still I mean, tied to having a 40-hour work week. <laughs> yeah. I think it just seems so impossible to remake your life. You yeah. Know, to do something like that. And the show makes it seem for a brief moment like maybe it's possible. Yeah. And just that 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 feeling that oh i could if i want to like helps sedate you and and allow you to you know not do that actually yeah i think there's something really enticing about the choice that they're making both in terms of remaking your life yeah but also like i mean when in a way i think a lot of it is trying to get away from our capitalist society like a lot of times people talk about having more time to spend with their family mm-hmm. or really like loving the European life where you, you know, go out all the time and like are in the city as opposed to being isolated. Like we're talking about at your little home in America, you know, or like we saw one, the Beijing one where the guy was like a lawyer who had made really good money, Mm -hmm. but was taking a massive pay cut because he felt like he needed to do something different. Like go become, go do something good, like teach for a while. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, a lot of times without actually saying it, it's essentially a rebuke of our capitalist yeah. society or, or a rebuffing of it. And yeah, Oklahoma's feeling that. <laughs> and that, you know, what all of them are sort of trying to do is find a better balance yeah. uh, between the, like the demands of work and their actual lives. Yeah. So. And you also have the people who are entrepreneurial. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I think I think that their hope is that because like that woman who went to the Bordeaux region, she could have done those workshops in L.A. I think she was doing them in L.A. I think so, yeah. But she was like thinking that she would have right. a better life yeah. if she like went a better to, lifestyle specifically. Yeah. Like yeah. You're saying, yeah. If she went to France because of how France is. Yeah. So I think in a lot of the places they emphasize too like. The culture, the food, the nightlife, things that I think in yeah. a lot of cases a lot are of, missing from most U.S. cities. Yeah. I definitely think even, let alone a big towns. part of the appeal of the show and for a lot of the, the people in it is like escaping American like monoculture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, totally. Because they always say, oh, I want uh an authentic um, Beijing. Yeah. Or yeah. I want an authentic Parisian apartment. Yeah. I want an authentic, yeah, Dutch it's home. It's really funny to see, like, when somebody goes to, especially, I think, Japan, and they're like, I want an authentic Japanese home. Or yeah. Experience. It's like, well, you know, a that's, lot of. An apartment of all, that's the size of a shoebox. That's the authentic. No, I mean, <laughs> the, an authentic Japanese home is okay, not, home. Is not yeah. one with, like, it doesn't look like a temple. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It, it's most people don't live in ones that have the tatami mats and the sliding doors yeah you know people live uh, like on a terrace house when they had one of those rooms they called it yeah. like an old japanese room or something like yeah that. and they were like surprised it was there yeah it was then... like as interesting to them as it would be to you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's not an authentic japanese yeah. experience necessarily yeah um it's the same thing that when they go to Spain or somewhere and yeah. the one partner is like, I want like, yeah, authentic characteristics of a, you know, Spanish 
house. And it's like, well, no one else in Spain does because they've been living here for generations and they want <laughs> modern amenities just like you do when you're back in yeah. Virginia or wherever, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're not looking for an authentic Virginian colonial home, you know, yeah, you yeah. want like an open floor plan and whatever the latest, I don't know, marble countertops, whatever the accoutrements are of. Yeah. But do you think everybody sees the villain of the show as being the spouse that wants to make sure we have like a washer and dryer and a big kitchen and I basically want everything we had in America, but here in this new country. I hope so. That yeah. is the villain. <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, That's that, the only correct way to read it. <laughs> that impulse is going against everything we're saying about why people like the show. So I think probably everybody sees that yeah. as like the villain. That's true. Yeah, yeah because you're right. Yeah, because they're the person who's trying to... Uh, not change yeah they're halting the fantasy essentially yeah true you know yeah yeah and i mean it's the same person usually who wants that stuff that's always mentioning money you know and to the extent that this is a fantasy Everyone wants to feel like they could at least be flexible about the money thing a lot of times yeah a lot of times one of the partners will be like, I'm more like big picture. I think like if it's the right place and we yeah. feel like it's the right place, the price isn't as important or there's like room for flexibility. And then the other partner will be like, I'm here because, you know, he or she is a head in the clouds kind of person. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that we're going to have enough money to live yeah. and a washer and dryer and the basic things that, you know, a yard for our kids to play in or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. the basic things that make our lives go around. Like, yeah. And it's like, uh, okay, but you came here for like, a different experience. I feel experience. like they're often different people. The one who wants all the modern stuff and the one who's worried about the budget. And I think, it can go either way. I mean, it's not always, always. But, but in terms of the form format of the show, it could go either way, too. Because if you are worried about the budget and an authentic experience, then you're maybe like the perfect proxy for the viewer. Because it it's like making it seem like anybody could do this. You know, like, oh, I'm watching this House Hunters International. I don't have a lot of money, but I want to do something like this one day. Yeah. And if the person who is really, you know, pumped to experience this new culture or um just place that they're living is also the one who's making sure we can pay for it like that helps you live out the fantasy too i guess that's true i just don't know how often that happens yeah i don't know all right good show it's hot it's hot in here yeah we have to turn off the ac i forgot that like we kind of hate podcasting in the summer because we have to turn off the ac and the fan and anything that would help regulate the temperature basically in our home Maybe we should start recording in the closet. We'd have better audio anyway. Yeah. Maybe be a little cooler in there. I doubt it. It's a small space. It's probably going to be a lot hotter. It's dark space. That's true. I mean, sitting on the floor might be cooler. Yeah. All right. I think that was good talking about house hunters. Cool. We didn't plan anything. No. If you guys have ideas about why house hunters is so popular, definitely feel free to tweet them at us or Facebook them at us because we probably missed some stuff since we didn't plan this one out. So I'm sure there's stuff you're thinking of that I think soon we'll start pretty good. Doing some episodes where we do a reading. Yeah. We're talking about. Yeah. Look for those coming out. If anybody wants to come on here and tell us about Indian politics, that would be great. I was reading some very weird stuff lately about politics in India. Or if anybody, you know, you live in a country or 
have ties to a, a country that you don't normally hear about. Like we did that Macedonia episode. I thought that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do more episodes about politics and culture or TV or trashy culture or whatever. And, you know, different countries that I don't know anything about. Yeah, definitely. And also, I have been thinking about starting a YouTube channel mm-hmm. <laughs> where I would, I feel like I, what I want to do is like, do like those like get ready with me, like makeup type videos. But instead of just talking about makeup products and techniques over and over again, because I feel like you could see what I'm doing because it's a video. I would rather spend that time talking about like maybe like some leftist women throughout history or politics. I don't know exactly. I I have like I kind of did some prep work for maybe a first video. I might only ever end up doing one video and then call it quits. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, I'm not totally sure. But if this sounds like a good idea to you, let me know. Maybe your encouragement will prompt me to actually make it happen. But it's something that I've been thinking about for a little while. So maybe look out for that. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully that was a good up. We love you guys. Drive safe. (laughs) Have a nice day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, wait, is it my turn to pick a song? Well, yeah, sure. I picked Renee's Propaganda, so. Okay, so we'll write out on an old classic, very good song, Love Connection, by Cassia Tone for the Painfully Alone. Cool. All right, bye. Bye. left
Unsaid. <laughs> <laughs> 